Our scripture reading this morning comes to us again from the, uh, the sixth chapter of Luke. This morning, um, we will start at verse 37 and go through 42. Of course, we're uh, continuing our, uh, our series on the Sermon on the Plain. Um, Jesus' instructions to his disciples on how to live. And we're uh, resisting the temptation to sort of uh, allegorize and metaphorize and spiritualize uh, these words to the point that, uh, that, that they don't say what they clearly say. And we're just going to uh, read together this plain talk from Jesus. So let's start at verse 37. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This is the word of God. May it find its way into our hearts and lives this morning by the power of His Holy Spirit. Amen. So one of the things um, Crystal and I like to do for fun is watch Netflix. Um, you can stream just about um, any movie or TV show nowadays, nowadays if you know where to look for it. And um, over the holidays, um, Crystal convinced me to watch this movie with her on Netflix um, called Bird Box. And um, I do not recommend it because it's really scary. And, um, and the premise of Bird Box is, um, is we, 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 we live in a world where there are these creatures that are, 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 so, are, are so terrifying to look at that, that just to see them uh, drives, drives people insane and make, makes them hurt themselves. And so all the people in, in, in this world, a, a bird box, they, uh, they have to they keep their blinds down all the time so they don't risk seeing the creature. And when they go out, out of the house, they have to put blindfolds on so, uh, so they, they won't catch a glimpse. And there, there's even a scene uh, in Bird Box where they, uh, where they have to uh, drive a car and uh, to go somewhere. And they painted all the windows black and, and they're navigating just using their, uh, the GPS on the car. And, um, and, and there's, there's a scene where Sandra Bullock, it, it, she's guiding these children and, and they're running for their lives, but, uh, but, but, but they're blindfolded. And so she's having to see and, and, and make sure these kids are with her. Um, so 
a scary movie, and over the holidays, it was kind of uh, it was kind of in the air. Everyone was talking about it, at, at working everything. Have you seen uh, seen Bird Box? And um, and that led to uh, uh, people uploading videos of themselves uh, taking the Bird Box challenge, where they would try to recreate scenes from Bird Box. Um, uh, you know, navigating a world with blindfolds. And so, so you saw all, all these videos on YouTube of, 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 of like, uh, of like um, the fathers with their kids and they were holding hands and they had blindfolds on and, and the father was going, come this way, come this way. And like, like they smacked their baby's head against the wall. And, uh, it, you know, uh, 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 videos of, of people in blindfolds running from the invisible monsters and, and they run off the porch and, and fall into a ditch. You know, good fun. Until a teenager from Utah decides to try a thing where uh, where where she drives blindfolded, and of course she uh, she uh, wrecks her car. Now she was fine, um, and no one was hurt, but her car was totaled, and, and the car she ran into was totaled, and um, and she'll have that uh, that monthly insurance reminder not to do everything you see in the movies. Well, it got so bad that Netflix had to issue a statement saying, do not do the bird box challenge. Now, I kind of think if you need Netflix to tell you not to put a blindfold on and drive your car, well, we, we used to call that natural selection. You know, but nowadays that's just good entertainment, <laughs> right? Most of us wouldn't need that warning, right? Don't 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 put on a blindfold and, and try to mow your lawn and do things like that, right? Most of us don't need that warning. Most of us, if Netflix had never come along, we'd know not to do that. And if you didn't. You wouldn't need Netflix to tell you because Jesus told us 2,000 years ago. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a ditch? 2,000 years ago, Jesus was saying, don't do the bird box challenge. Don't do it. Don't get in your car with a blindfold. It's a mistake. Of course, Jesus was talking about something very different, right? Uh, he couldn't have imagined that people would actually do this, right? right? He was talking metaphorically, spiritually. He was talking about when we judge and condemn others. That's dangerous behavior. When we presume to tell others how they, they, how they ought to feel and how they ought to live their lives, well, that's dangerous behavior. That's getting behind a wheel with a blindfold on. Yet we do it, don't we? Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a ditch? I think the problem for us is we all think those words are for somebody else. Right? We all think that that, that what Jesus is really addressing those judgmental Christians down the street, not us, right? Because we are not 
judgmental. We, we, we call them as we see them, right? Other people, other people are, are distorting in the view of others. They can't see past their prejudices and, and, and biases, and, and, uh, but, but we are clear-eyed and sober. We tell it like it is. Other people, other people are judgmental. We're speaking the truth and love whatever that means. Other people are condemning. We're loving the sinner, hating the sin, whatever we mean by that. See, these words about the blind leading the blind are always for other people, but not us. We're clear-sighted. We're, we're, we're sober. We're right, we're right seeing and right thinking. And so we convince ourselves we have a responsibility to tell others what we see, right? We have a responsibility. And so we're not gossiping. We're sharing our concern with our friends. We're, we're, we're not nosing in into other people's business. We're giving them the guidance they need. Come with me, we say. As sticking hand, we tumble into a ditch. Jesus warns us against that. Don't do the bird box thing. Don't judge others. Don't get behind the wheel with the blindfold on. It never works out. A couple of months ago, I guess, when, um, when uh, uh, President Bush Sr. passed away, I was watching TV and there was this, this panel of, of, of historians and biographers and people that knew him and they were, they were uh, trading their, their President Bush stories. And there was one that jumped out at me. It was, it was the biographer uh, talking about um, uh, one day after dinner, um, uh, uh, President Bush was there and George and Jeb and Barbara and they were all having this, uh, this, uh, this family dinner and after dinner, the conversation turned to a particular religious group. And they were sort of arguing amongst themselves about whether this group would wind up in heaven. And so George H.W. Bush decided to do what only a former president can do when they have a theological question. Well, I'll just call it Billy Graham. <laughs> and so he gets on his phone and he calls up Billy Graham. And, uh, and he says, he says, says Reverend Graham, we, we've got this question for you. We, we were just uh, having this discussion about this, this, uh, this religious group, and we were wondering um, whether, whether they'll go to heaven or not. And, uh, and Billy Graham, in his, uh, in his plain-spoken way, uh, says, George, why don't you leave that up to God? See, Billy Graham got that instinctively, didn't he? Uh, one of his quotes that I just love is, is he said, it's God's job to judge. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. And it's our job as Christians to love. We need to be reminded sometimes that, that no, no, no student is above the teacher, don't we? 
that, that it's not our place, that there is, a, uh, there, there is a chair up in heaven and it's surrounded by cherubim and seraphim and, 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 and one person at a time gets to sit in it and sit in judgment over the world. And at no time is that ever us. We need to be reminded that it's not our place. But Jesus is also reminding us of something more important this morning. Even if it were our place, even if we did get to sit in that chair, we shouldn't because we're terrible at it. Because we've got poor eyesight. Because we're blind. Because sin has corrupted our vision of other people. See, we, we, we're, we're able to see the whole picture when we look at ourselves, or, or at least we kick ourselves that we are, right? We're able to be so generous and so graceful with ourselves and with our flaws because we see the whole picture. We know that normally we're not like this. We're just having a bad day. Or we know all the, the, the little slights that, that, that led up to us reacting this way. We know our, uh, our family and, and social history that has shaped us to, to make us uniquely uh, tempted to this sort of thing. And, 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 and God must understand. And so we look at ourselves in this warm, compassionate light. Because we see the whole picture. But we judge our neighbor through a keyhole. We only see what is going on in the present moment. We only see the, the layer of skin and no deeper. And we presume to judge and to condemn. We presume to tell them how we would live their lives if, if, if we were, were standing in their shoes. Come with me, we say. A sticking hand, we tumble into a ditch. So easy to judge people through that, that keyhole, to take just a little bit of information and extrapolate. And so we put on our powdered wig and get our little hammer and decide we're going to be the judge. But Jesus is challenging us this morning to let God be the judge. To be patient. To be generous. Because God is patient and God is generous. Um, when I was in high school, I was up in the attic one night. I was looking for something. I can't remember what. But I came across this, um, this box and, um, and the box was full of textbooks. And on top of the textbooks, I saw some old sketchbooks. And I started looking through these sketchbooks, and there were all of these ink drawings of, like, cathedrals and stained glass windows and, and spires and, and arches. And I realized instantly that these were my dad's old sketchbooks from architecture school. Um, and, and more specifically, um, this would have been from uh, the, 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 his month abroad when he went to Europe. And he got to see all of these cathedrals, and he drew them. And it was kind of neat 
to, to just to sort of look at the world, right, through my father's eyes, you know, looking at all of these drawings. And I got halfway through the sketchbook, um, you know, to, to all the French stuff, Notre Dame Cathedral, uh, those kinds of things. And, and halfway through the sketchbook, um, there was a drawing of a young woman in blue jeans from behind. Now, um, when I say from behind, I mean from behind. And I, I, I was told I used the wrong words at the last service, and I should be careful how I address these things in the pulpit. Um, but um, this, uh, this, this, this girl in this picture clearly had a cute behind, right? And um, for just a second, I was looking at this picture, and I was like, Ew, Dad, you creepy old man. But then, like, I realized something. When he drew this picture, he was 20 years old. Have you ever had, like, that flash of realization that your parents were actually 20 years old once? And I, I had this flash of realization, and, and, and I pictured my dad there sitting on a bench in France somewhere. Um, maybe there's accordion music somewhere, maybe the fresh smell of baguettes or whatever. And, uh, and he's sitting on this porch, and he's trying to concentrate on, on Notre Dame Cathedral, and, 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 and he's trying to draw it. And this, this French girl walks by, and, um, and he gets distracted. And maybe she stands uh, by this newsstand to, to, to pick a newspaper or something, and she's just standing there for a while, and he begins to sketch what he sees. And it's kind of this illuminating experience to look at the world through my father's eyes. And I think that's what Jesus is calling us to do, to look at the world through our Father's eyes, and instead of doing through the narrow keyhole that we see things through, to, to look at, at things with the perspective that God has. What does God see when he looks at us? We see through this narrow keyhole, but when God looks at us, he sees the whole picture, right? We, we read it uh, several months ago um, when, when we, were, we were talking about uh, King David. Um, God says to Samuel, um, the Lord does not see as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God sees deep into our souls. He knows us intimately. The hairs on our head are numbered. God sees into our past. He, he sees every, not just what's going on in this moment, but everything that's led up to it. You know, us as an infant, us as a toddler, us as teenagers, us as adults, all of the highs and the lows, the ups and the downs. He sees the constellation of, 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 of stories and, and friendships and relationships that make us uniquely us. He sees um, uh, all of our our, our, our social and genetic history that has shaped us to the way we are, all of our family relationships that have left good marks and bad marks on us. He sees us completely, not only in this moment, but every moment ahead of us as well. 
I don't know whether he sees a, sees a, a straight line of fate or every possible future opened up before us. But he sees all that we can be, all that we could bloom into, all that promise within us. He sees past the layers that, 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 uh, that we put up before other people. He, he sees past, uh, past our, what we consider our deepest self to his image inside of us that, 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 that sin has corrupted and he sees all past all of that who we were created and called to be. Consider he knows you that intimately. He knows everyone in your life that intimately. All 7.5 billion people on this planet and everyone who ever lived that intimately, he knows them. Then ask yourself this question. Who is the rightful judge? We that take this little pinpoint of information we see through this keyhole and extrapolate and make all kinds of stories or the one that sees the whole picture. Now consider this. God sees humanity in all of its fullness. You, me, everyone who's ever lived, everyone on this planet. He sees all of us from his chair up in heaven, surrounded by the angels. And his verdict is grace. His verdict is, I so love this world, I send my only son to die. His verdict is patience. He's compassionate, merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. But we get this little keyhole, and our verdict gets harsh. We want immediate judgment now. We see this in the Bible, don't we? Uh, Jonah wanted immediate judgment now. Lord, let's nuke those Ninevites. Right? But God says, no, see what happens. The psalmists, uh, you see it in the Psalms, they say, oh Lord, vindicate me from my enemies. How long will you wait? We want that judgment now. The story of two brothers, one is patient and one is impatient. And they lived their whole lives behind these, these, these tall city walls. They've grown up never, uh, never uh, seeing the outside country. And so one day they decide to go out and, and see the fields and meadows for the first time that they've only seen in paintings. And so they go out and they're walking along and, and they, they, they come to this field. And, uh, and, the, uh, and they look in the field and, and they see uh, this man pushing a plow, uh, digging uh, deep trenches all through the field. And the, the impatient brother says, says, look what this fool is doing. He's got this perfectly green field and he's tearing it up. These people are fools. I'm leaving. I'm going back to the city. And the patient brother says, let's wait and see what happens. So they, uh, they, they wait a couple of days and go back to the spot. And, uh, and then they, uh, they see the man out there again. And this time he's got a sack of perfectly good wheat. 
but, uh, but he's just, uh, just tossing it in every direction, throwing it into these ditches. And the impatient brother said, these people are foolish. They're idiots. They're, 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 they're so wasteful with what they have. They're, they're going to throw all of that wheat on the ground and then they're going to complain that they're hungry tomorrow. I'm going back to the city. But the patient brother says, no, let's wait and see what happens. The impatient brother says, you can wait and see what happens. I'm going back to the city. And so he does wait. Um, he waits. Uh, he waits for about a month. He he makes his home there, and every day he goes out and, and observes what the what the the farmers are out doing in their fields. And sure enough, after some time, he begins to see those green shoots coming up out of the field. And uh, and he writes home to his brother, brother, you you need to see this. You need to see what's going on out here in the field. And after a couple of months. The impatient brother comes and, and joins, and by this time, there are these great tall stalks of wheat. And, uh, and so um, the impatient brother says, well, you may be on to something. But no sooner does he say that than the farmer comes out with this scythe, and he begins cutting the stalks of wheat. So... The impatient brother says, look, see, this is what I told you. These people are fools. Look at them. They, they spent all this time growing this wheat, and, and now they're just cutting it down. They have no sense. I'm leaving. But the other brother waits, and he sees, and so he, he, gets, he gets to see um, all of, of, of the wheat uh, being gathered together and, and, and stored in the silos. He gets to see the hundredfold yield, and he gets to hear the songs of praise to the Creator for a bountiful harvest. See, he's got that wait and see attitude. That, that, that long view that, that God has of us. That he, that he, he sees our entire lives and he's able to have the patience of a compassionate judge, a wait and see attitude. I learned this as, um, as a youth pastor, this thing that I think um, that uh, teachers and, and, and coaches kind of get. It's like when, when, when kids would come into my youth program and they were sixth graders, and they were still baby-faced and, and hopped up on sugar and, um, and really didn't, uh, didn't, didn't care about the Bible or anything I had to, to say to them. They were just there for, for the Nerf gun fights and it was just so immature. But then you walk alongside them and you see them grow and develop and mature. And, and, and by the time they leave, they're these, uh, they're these young, um, committed Christians ready to take on the world. And so you go through this a couple of times and then it teaches you something. You get this, this, this instinctive patience about you. Right? You know that whatever crisis is going on in the moment with this kid, that's not the whole story. It's an opportunity. And when a parent calls you up and they're scared and they're upset about something they found on their kid's phone, you're able to take a deep breath 
because you know this is a comma and not a period and that, that, that this is an opportunity for, for character development and, and to teach values and to get to that point where we release them into the world. You develop this wait and see attitude. But I believe that God is calling us all to have the same wait and see attitude with each other. The, 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 the crisis in the moment that is not the summation of who we are and is not the summation of who our neighbor is. That, that we can take this patient wait and see attitude and, and, and see what God is doing in their life. That we can continue to nurture them and love them without being harsh and help them continue to grow into the person that they're called to be. So, um, so that uh, evening when I found those, uh, those sketchbooks, I decided to bring it up at dinner. Now, I knew not to mention, like, you know, the picture I, uh, I, I found in the middle of the sketchbook. Like, I, I didn't bring that up. But, I, you know, I just kind of casually... I said, hey, Dad, I was, I was up in the attic. I found these sketchbooks, and they're, they're full of pictures of buildings and cathedrals and things. And uh, Dad said, oh, yeah, those are my, those are my sketchbooks from, uh, from my trip to Europe in architecture school. And I said, those are pretty neat. That must have, that must have been really cool to get to do that. He said, yeah, you know, it was, it was a time of my life. I, 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 I saw things I'd never seen before. I tried food I'd never tried before. It, it was just such, such an amazing time. Um, I, mean, I said, a month. You know, like, that was a long time, though, right? He said, yeah, you know. Um, the first, uh, the first uh, uh, two weeks, I was, I was pretty lonely, and then um, halfway through the trip, your mother surprised me. Uh, I, I, I got to France, and, um, and she, she had saved up all of her money uh, without telling me, and she was waiting me, uh, there, for me there in France, and uh, she was with me the whole rest of the trip. And, uh, and she looked over at Mom and said, Isn't that right, beautiful? That right there was when it clicked. <laughs> the picture of the girl with the, you know, and I'm not going to lie, what I wanted to do was, was tear my toga and gouge my eyes out. <laughs> but later, I thought about it, and I looked at that picture again, and I noticed a note that I didn't notice before. Right under the picture, he wrote the word, beautiful the period. And I thought of all the times that I'd heard my dad call my mom beautiful. It was like, like his pet name for her. I'd kiss her on the forehead and call her beautiful. And then I revised the story in my head, <laughs> right? This young, lanky, 20-year-old um, he's he's uh, enjoying all these sights, all these sounds, all these tastes that he'd never had before. He still feels kind of lonely because he's so far away from home. And he gets to France, and the love of his life is waiting on him. 
from that point on, he's distracted. He can't, can't focus on those arches and those flying buttresses and all those things because he's thinking about beautiful. I got that picture so wrong, didn't I? get the picture wrong all the time. I have a challenge for you. It's not a YouTube stunt. You don't have to swallow Tide Pods or get behind the wheel of your car with a blindfold on, nothing like that. God wants to challenge you. Something that could change your life. What if instead of rushing off to judgment, what if in, 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 instead of taking that little bit of information you have and, 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 and creating a whole story out of it, what if you adopted that patient wait-and-see attitude? What if you slowed down, got to know people, got to hear their story? What if you had the humility to say, I might be wrong about this person. I might be looking at this picture the wrong way. I challenge you to begin to look at one another, to look at your neighbors, to look at your boss, the mean person at work, through your father's eyes. Be patient. Maybe, just maybe, you may see in them what their father finds beautiful. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.